Would you stand as we read from the Holy Scriptures this morning, Genesis chapter 9, beginning in verse 8. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I'm establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all the future generations. I've set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, the bow is seen in the clouds. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh. That is on the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. So this morning we're in Genesis, the very first book in our Bibles. We're reading from chapter 9. But if we go back to chapter 1 and the stories leading up to this story the theme seems to be when it is all given to us we encounter more problems exercise poor judgment and generally mess things up in our lives when all is handed to us we don't seem to do very well let me give you a quick summary of the chapters just before this, the stories that these ancient writers have written for us. In the first couple of chapters, you'll remember that God brings order out of chaos as God creates and shapes and forms the earth and all the beings on it. And then we have the story of first man and first woman coming onto the earth, living in a paradise where God has given them everything they need for life and happiness to flourish but what happens problems arise they make some bad decisions they go their own way rather than God's way and they get thrown out of paradise before very long there's a story telling us that the oldest son murders the youngest son and by the time we get to chapter 6 God is saying, this is not what I intended. I am sorry that I've created humanity. I think I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth and start over. Or rather than starting over from scratch, God decides to save one fellow, Noah, and his family, and then all the creatures that Noah can gather onto this big boat he's told by God to build. The biblical writers in these first several chapters of Genesis are trying to answer some big questions about life. Why is life the way it is? 
Why do things turn out the way they do? Why do we seem to make so many mistakes? Why does there seem to be so much evil and violence in the world? The biblical writers give us some answers. They say that God has created life and all that we need, all that is necessary for us to experience life and life abundant. That God has given it all to us. In the creation story, we are told that God gave humans free will. That we've been given the choice of whether or not to be good stewards of God's creation or make other choices. We've been given choices to follow God or not. We've been given a choice to be creative or to be destructive to spend our time and energy focusing what is God doing in our lives and how can we line our lives with God's will for us or we can choose to go our own way, make our own decisions, focus on what we want, ignore or neglect the fact that God has given us this and given us this opportunity to be stewards or trustees of God's creation. And the biblical writers say when they look at the choices that humans have made, what we find generation after generation is that humans end up in sin. That is, we miss the mark, we miss the target, we go our own way, we focus on our own needs and desires and pleasures, we focus on the physical and what we might gain to the detriment of remembering the spiritual and what we might give. The first 11 chapters of Genesis deal with these large questions of why things are the way they are. Genesis, especially in these first few chapters, is mythical in scope. They're looking at really big questions and trying to describe what they've experienced in their own lives, but also what they've experienced in terms of a relationship with God who they believe has created them and brought to them, them to this point. Many biblical scholars call these first 11 chapters prehistory. That is, these are archetypal stories trying to give us answers to the questions that humans come up against in life. When we get to the text in the ninth chapter here this morning, it's a part of this cycle of stories around Noah and his family. And in this section, the flood is over, the, delu the deluge is gone, and God is telling Noah about the arrangements of how this relationship between the divine and the human is going to unfold going forward. God in this passage makes commitments to us you heard them several times in there in verse 11 God is saying I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth and then goes on to talk about the rainbow and how when God sees the rainbow it will be a reminder down in verse 16 God says I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature 
of all flesh that is on the earth. The writers want us to get the message about God and who God is in this passage. I've put this in your outline. I believe what they're saying is that God is determined to bring more good out of creation. God is determined to work with us to help us do better, to help us bring good out of evil. God is committed to helping us for all time. This is Lent. You heard Reverend Campbell praying about this season of Lent, a season of preparation before Easter. A season where we're invited to look deep, to take a deep dive into ourselves, to look into our heart and soul, to consider the choices that we have made and the choices that we are making and see if we think they line up with God's will for our lives. It's a time to do introspection some fearless self-examination in the same spirit of the story in the gospel of Jesus going into the wilderness for 40 days. Lent is 40 days, not counting Sunday. We're remembering his temptations and how he looked at himself and his dreams and his hopes and his call and his identity and determined that he wanted to be in sync with God. He had other options, other choices, the story says, and he chooses to follow God. The biblical writers do that kind of deep dive into the core of humanity, and they come back with this answer saying that we are capable of evil in big and small ways, and they conclude we need help we need help. We need God's help. These Noah stories describe that same kind of experience where God is giving us options and choices and humans are continuing to make mistakes and to go awry. In fact, one of the great summaries that these authors of Genesis give us is back in chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually, and the Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him. It grieved him to his heart. We're invited to look at our own lives and where we might have gone sideways or gone awry and we have a chance to renew our life with God. That when we do this self-examination, we're given the opportunity then to ask God to help us to banish anything that might be contrary to the will of God that is within us, to cleanse us of all sin and all unrighteousness. We're given this opportunity to renew our covenant with God. You might have noticed in the story we read that both God and humans give 
opportunity to have the opportunity for a fresh start it's a new covenant God says this is how it's going to work out I'm going to be committed to you in this everlasting covenant and we have an opportunity in Lent to decide if we're going to be committed to God as God is committed to us during this season of Lent we are challenged to choose to be more Christian, to be a vessel for God to bring good out of evil. We're given these 40 days as a season to spend a little more time than maybe we normally do looking deep into our own souls and asking God to draw us nearer to shape and form us evermore into the image of Christ. Years ago, during Lent, one of my nieces sent me a poem that had helped her in her struggles to be Christian. I found it helpful as well. I want to read it to you as we close today. It goes like this. When I say... I am a Christian, I'm not shouting, I'm clean living, I'm whispering, I was lost, now I am found and forgiven. When I say I am a Christian, I don't speak of this with pride, I'm confessing that I stumble and need Christ to be my guide. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not trying to be strong, I'm professing that I'm weak and need Christ's strength. To carry on when I say I am a Christian I'm not bragging of success I'm admitting I have failed and need God to clean my mess when I say I am a Christian I'm not claiming to be perfect my flaws are far too visible but God believes I am worth it when I say I am a Christian I still feel the sting of pain I have my share of heartaches so I call upon his name when I say I am a Christian I'm not holier than thou I'm just a simple sinner who received God's grace somehow amen thanks be to God